Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are talking about what the MuggleNet character compendium <laughs> calls the Lions of Gryffindor, aka the Gryffindor Quidditch team. And we're going to be talking specifically about kind of those characters that you think of exclusively when you think of the Quidditch team, so not characters that are maybe have their own storylines and their own plots outside of Quidditch, like the twins or Ginny or Ron or Harry, but characters like Oliver Wood, Angelina Johnson, Alicia Spinnett, and Katie Bell, because they are pretty much strictly known as like Harry's Quidditch teammates. Yeah, we wanted a chance to talk about some of those characters at least, but they didn't. No offense to them, but I don't think they deserved slash it would be possible for us to give them their own episodes. <laughs> so we went for a combination episode on this one. Yeah, so it's just going to be, you know, highlights of the Quidditch team. Yeah. And there's some great characters, we just don't know a ton about them. Yeah. Hey, Audrey, do you know, do you happen to know what is coming up at the beginning of March by any chance? Or is there anything important happening then? Um, I don't, Ron's birthday? Yeah, my, my cousin's birthday is at the beginning of March. Anything else? Mm. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Uh, we're like getting close to spring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you didn't know, big... Something big's coming up, March 1st. Not only is it Ron's 42nd birthday, is that what? 41st. 41st birthday. It is our, the Wizard Studies Podcast, second birthday. And I know, I can't believe it's been two years. And I think we really slacked on our first anniversary. Like, both of us were like, it was a weird time. Yeah. Um... And kind of, like, right before the world blew up. Um, (laughs) So, we didn't really do anything big for our first birthday. So, we want to change that for our second birthday. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not doing anything super big. But (laughs) we're going to have a party. You're all invited. (laughs) Um, Mask required. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. All right, so we are going to try something a little different. It's not fully planned out, but we want to get it in this episode so you know it's coming and you can check our socials for it. But um, we're going to do like a live podcast on Podbean, I think we're going to is we're gonna use as our hosting platform. Um, so basically, it'll just be like audio, and as we're recording, you will be able to listen in. Um, I think we'll do that on Sunday, February 28th, um, TBD on exact time and everything, but the March 1st is a Monday and that is our birthday. So the episode will be available for everyone, um, like already recorded on Monday, but if you want to jump in and listen as we're recording, you can do that with us on Sunday as well. Um, And I think the plan is to just, like, maybe do some fun games, a little trivia, talk about 
our podcast. So you guys can just listen along. Um, and I think there might be a chat feature where you can like chat us as we're talking. Yeah. So just, it's not fully planned, but pay attention to our social media if that's something that you want to um, listen along with and you can help us celebrate our birthday. Yeah, and I will say not to like bias you either way, but we will not be doing like too much editing on the back end and the episode is going to be pretty like free form from what we're planning. So I don't know how good of an episode it's going to be if you just like listen to it. (laughs) I think it may be like... I, like, I have no idea, but like I said, we're not really going to be doing much editing on the back end, so it may be, like, more beneficial if you listen to it live. That would just be, like, my advice slash my opinion on, like, live podcasts in general. Um, but, yeah, so that's <clears throat> pretty exciting, and we will, like Audrey said, we don't have a whole lot, like, concretely planned, so we will let you know <laughs> as we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So our patron of the episode is Michael, who is our most recent patron. So thank you so much, Michael, for all of your support. Yeah, thank you. And on that note, we just wanted to talk a little bit about Patreon. Recently, I think a few people have like bumped up tiers and upped their contribution from our $2 tier to our $5 tier per month. And I just want to let you guys know that if you do that, um, first of all, thank you. And you're going to get some new content, which is awesome. But be patient because I think you don't actually get access to all of the extra episodes and your RSS feed until you actually get charged the $5 for the first time. So that would be like the next start, the start of the next month. So if you like upped your contribution after February 1st, then you wouldn't get access to those things until March 1st because you wouldn't pay the $5 until March 1st. I believe it's how it worked. I don't know if there's a way to do that differently. I think that's just how Patreon does it. Um, so just be patient, but once like the next, once you pay the first, the first time you pay $5, you'll get access to all of like our previously released um patron exclusive episodes too so it's coming I just want to make sure people know that that's how it works yeah and then just about kind of patreon in general I did want to talk about it at the beginning of the episode here because I don't think we've mentioned it at the beginning of an episode in a little bit now so we do have a patreon if you're interested in supporting us on there we would really appreciate appreciate it um we do some really fun bonus episodes i think that audrey and i have a lot of fun doing those they are a little bit shorter than our normal episodes so if you don't want to listen to us for our typical hour and a half (laughs) two hour episodes um i recommend checking those out and they're mostly chapter rereads we are doing some like fun other themes as we go along and we're asking input on those and then if you check it out and you don't see a perk that really grabs your attention and you have ideas for other perks like let us know we are always open to adding new ones on there as long as it's feasible for us um the patreon is for you guys and for people who choose to be a patron so we want to make sure that you are getting what you want out of it 
Then just a couple, just I guess one more announcement-ish before we get started on the episode. Um, we are gonna we're gonna talk about something else that's not episode related after this, but just super quickly, if anybody loves reading, I assume that like a good portion of you enjoy reading if you're a big Harry Potter fan. Um, I cannot recommend the book The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hardcastle or Hardcastle, Evelyn Hugo enough. Um it is such a beautifully written book. It has a lot of um, diverse perspectives in there. There are members of the LGBTQ community that are bit, that play big roles in the story. Um, there are people of color that play big roles in the story. And it's just such an interesting story in general. Um, just quickly, it is about Evelyn Hugo, who was a famous actress like from the 60s to the 80s and was basically like, the epitome of fame like she has an oscar she was like hollywood's it girl for a really long time and then she kind of like went in she became a recluse and so she's telling her story to a biographer and so like the book is her telling her life story to this biographer and it is just like one of the most beautiful stories i've ever read so i recommend it wow that sounds really good does she actually have seven husbands? Yeah, she was married seven times. Um, oh. And kind of the whole premise is, like, everybody wanted to know, like, who the love of her life was. Like, who was the real, like, who was the one that you really loved the most? And so that's kind of the, like, basis of the story. And it kind of, it goes through her life in terms of, like, each husband is, like, a period in her life, basically. Um but I don't. I won't spoil anything. But it is so good, and it's like it comes off as this very like real and emotional story, even though it's literally like a, about like a '60s starlet, you know. Mm-hmm. But her her life is just so honestly like so tragic that it just like feels very like real and emotional and gritty. But wow, so good. Cannot recommend it enough. Um, but now, like I said, before we get started in the real episode, we were going to chat a little bit about kind of future HP content because there have been rumblings of an HBO series. Super quickly, just catch up on kind of like the information we have about the quote unquote HBO series. I guess HBO leaked slash announced that there was a Harry Potter series in the works. I guess Warner Brothers slash maybe HBO has come back and been like, nah, that's not true at all. But there was a huge reaction on the internet about this, obviously. I was going to say, yeah, they're like fervently denying it. And they say like, it would be great if we did that. We would love to do that. But like, we don't like, we don't have writers. We don't have a concept. We don't have anything. So... Well, I'm very skeptical that this is an actual thing, but people seem to really believe it is. My guess, for what it's worth, my opinion, is that either HBO or Warner Brothers or somebody decided to leak it to kind of see the public's reaction. And they're using that to either move forward or not, or maybe help decide mm. which like story they're going to tell or what they're going to do for yeah. it. Um, it reminds me a lot of, this is kind of going back a little bit but like when Sony and Spider or Sony and Marvel like the deal with Spider-Man kind of seemed on the rocks it was like leaked by my guess is that information was leaked by Disney that like they were losing 
the Spider-Man name, like the rights to it, kind of to put pressure on Sony to like, because the outrage mm. was so great. My guess is it's kind of like that, but I have no idea. I'm not a Warner Brothers or HBO insider. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whether or not it's happening, I guess we can still talk about what we would like to see from it. Yeah, I just um, think this conversation has been brought up a lot on at least, like, my side of the internet. <laughs> kind of what <laughs> people would want to see because it wasn't announced. Like, literally, it was just announced that a Harry Potter series was in the works. And I think a lot of people took that to mean, like, a remake. A lot of people took that to mean not a remake. And so kind of just this, like, dialogue of what we would want to see kind of came about on the internet. So we're going to talk about what we would want to see. Okay. Well, I know that the, the the crux of this question is, like, what time period and what storylines and stuff. But I just want to, like, blanket statement, regardless of whatever the hell this is about, like, what characters, what timeline, whatever, what I really want to see is I want to see diverse storylines, I want to see queer characters, I want to see black characters, I... I mean, like, representation and diversity is, like, one of the things that's, like, the most wrong about Harry Potter. Not wrong, but, like, most, where Harry Potter is the most lacking. Um, where it could grow the most. Where it could grow the most. <laughs> and I just want to be able to celebrate all the people that have been left out of this story and then, like, felt like they can't see themselves in the characters because of that. Um... And I just think that would be really cool. I don't have high hopes for it. Because um, obviously, if this is being made, it's going to be Warner Brothers sanctioned, which means it's sanctioned by the author. And, I mean, she's the one that created this world with its lack of representation and all of the troubles that go with that. So, I don't have high hopes, but blanket statement, like, regardless, that's the biggest thing I want to see. I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet kind of hoping for basically a George Lucas kind of, mm. George Lucas Star Wars kind of mirroring type of thing with JK and the Harry Potter. Because, like, George sold it. He no longer owns, quote-unquote, the Star Wars franchise. Granted, George Lucas is still credited as like a producer or an like an advisor on all of these Star Wars properties like he's still part of the production and gets money from mm -hmm. it I think a lot of people don't want that to happen <laughs> to JK um but a lot of the stuff I've seen is kind of hoping that she sells it which I mean to be fair nobody thought that George Lucas was gonna sell Star Wars and yeah. he did um whether we have to wait, this is going to maybe sound really morbid and kind of rude, whether we have to wait for her to die, like, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> um, like, waiting for more Harry Potter content if it means not putting more money in JK's pockets. With that being said as well, though, like, if more HP content comes out, I, like, already have an HBO subscription, yeah. so I will watch it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's, like, a whole broader question of me feeling iffy about additional content. Um, and obviously there's, like, a ton of other shit going on around the Fantastic Beasts series, but I have become pretty soured on the idea of that. Um, 
Oh, and sorry. Like, Speaking of Fantastic Beasts, I do believe that they're almost done filming three finally, which honestly, if you had asked me like a year ago, I would have said that it was done. Like they were no more yeah. movies were going to come out. Do I think they should still come out with more movies? Probably not. They don't seem to be very commercially nor critically successful, nor like fandom successful. Like very few people in the fandom like it. And at the end of the day, like those are the people you want to please if nobody else. Um, And plus all of the stuff surrounding both that production itself and with JK herself. Yeah. Again, I, just, like, I will still watch it if I'm being honest with you guys, but I'm not, again, I don't have high hopes, kind of what Audrey's talking about with additional content, and I'm not thrilled about it. Yeah, and I think just on the Fantastic Beast note, I know that's not what this conversation is about, but like, I don't see myself going to a theater to see that movie because I feel I am doing my best to not, um, like, further line JK's pockets because... Obviously, we have seen, we know her rhetoric, and we have seen the effect of the the transphobic rhetoric that she has, which is, like, the the scarier thing. It's not just that she, as a single person, is a transphobe. It's that her what she says allows other people to be more comfortable in their transphobia and hurts um, trans and gender nonconforming individuals in their everyday life. And so I personally can't justify going to the movies to see fantastic beasts like i'll maybe i'll stream it when it comes on a streaming platform that i already pay a subscription for and that's probably how i feel about an hbo series i already pay for hbo so i'll stream it i get that that's they're still also making money that way but it's um a but little even if i didn't watch mind. that series like jk would have still gotten the same amount of money it's kind right. of like how I would rationalize it if that were to be. Uh, also, just super quickly, we're talking about HBO and Warner Brothers. I don't believe that HBO and Warner Brothers like have come to a agreement that HBO would have the rights to this at all, even. Mm. So we're kind of talking about it from HBO's side, which again, I think is part of the reason why this was leaked, going back to my previous theory, is to kind of, maybe that was HBO putting pressure on Warner Brothers to give them partial slash rights to Harry Potter and that story to tell to like because of the reaction they could be like people want it like come on help me like give us the rights you know yeah because I Warner Brothers has like I think it's Peacock is that right are they with NBC or are they working no. their own streaming service um I don't think Warner Brothers and NBC are together no I don't, I don't have no idea then yeah I know Warner Brothers is either has a partnership with a streaming service or is like working on their own. I believe. I don't know for sure. Oh, it's, it's HBO max. Cause oh, all okay, of the okay. Warner brothers movies are the ones coming out on HBO max. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. And I, I Oh, okay. Warner like brothers deal, is though. owned. Warner brothers is owned by AT&T's Warner media, which is also the parent company of HBO. Okay. So they have the same parent company. Yeah, but I don't believe that, like, HBO is guaranteed the rights to Harry Potter from what I've seen online. It's like Warner Brother was Warner mm. Brothers would still have to, like, yeah. partner with them in this. Yes. So, again, like, no such deal has been struck. We are just talking about HBO because that is the platform that has come out and 
or they may not have come out and said it, but like has been in the talks about this. So just wanted right. to clear that up. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> let's, let's discuss the actual content. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I, I've always flipped around on this question. Um, but I think right now, personally, the like in this moment the thing that I most want to see is a founder's story and I want I want the friendships I want the feuds I want relationships like I want to know about the founders significant others like was there were there romantic relationships between (laughs) the founders like I I mean love triangles between the four of them love squares I, like, I really want, like, a period piece of the founders. Like, yeah, Bridgerton beat him to it, but... And I Can think we talk about Bridgerton I, for a second? I, I just um, finished it, it last you, night. Uh, I watched it this weekend. I was really delayed. <laughs> um, but, and I think that this ties into, like, I mean, something that Bridgerton did is, like, we always think of, like, period pieces as super white and super straight and super heteronormative and cis. And I think, um, not that, I, I just think that it's a really cool concept, um, to go back and, like, make these pieces, but make them diverse. And I think that that is something that was really cool from Bridgerton. And, like, maybe it's just jumping on the train to do it with the founders, but, like, give me black Rowena Ravenclaw, like, you know, like, yeah, well, give me queer Helga Hufflepuff, like, I just think that that would be really refreshing, um, and exciting to see, and I also think that there's so much untapped potential for, like, a drama series about the founders, because it can be adult, like, it, it doesn't have to be about high schoolers or teenagers, like, it can be a more of a mature show, and, you can get badass magic with it because we know they're, like, the best wizards of their age. And, like, everyone that watches it is gonna have a bias towards a specific character. Like, I think that would be really fun because we often see, like, when everybody watches a TV show, you know, there's, like, the characters that are the favorites. And I just think it'd be really cool to see if, like, people just side with their house founder. Yeah, kind of on the same vein, just super quickly talking about the founder, a founder series in general, and kind of in contrast or in conjunction with Bridgerton, the diversifying and kind of like modernization of period pieces has been something that's been pretty prevalent throughout the past couple years. Bridgerton is obviously maybe the most current and popular example, but it's been something that's been happening for quite a while now. And I think part of the reason why it worked so well with Bridgerton is they didn't like just diversify the cast they also modernize all these other things along with it like mm-hmm. a lot of the, the ideals. Mu- yeah a lot of the musical pieces were like Dude, the music, music is so cool it is i was but, having like, so much fun like trying to place the the current songs yeah in their like string format like yeah and i think a lot of like the costumes while they were period pieces i think that I don't know, the way that they work together seemed more modern or maybe the colors. I, I don't know what it was, but like the bright colors on the screen made it seem more modern. And a lot of the sets, while being period pieces, like specifically I'm thinking like when all the lanterns are kind of lit up, um, mm. 
in that like outdoor party and then even the party at the end of the series like it just seems like more modern of a party like the set decorating of it like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem drab and how we would picture kind of a period piece party it seems more like rambunctious and loud and modern and fun granted kind of going off on a Bridgerton tangent right there but I think that along with that one of the most one of the more popular fantasy tv production series movies in the past couple years has been Game of Thrones and I think with doing a founder series you can bring in some of those more like gritty like dramatic more I don't know more kind of like you could get almost like family factions and like family lines and like Mm -hmm. family feuds with this like founder series so I think you could tie in like the diversification and the modernization of period pieces from Bridgerton and bring in some elements of like the gritty drama from Game of Thrones and it would be like a like a perfect mix of a fantasy Mm -hmm. series for the modern time I do think that they should go a more adult route but that's just my opinion um I know if if you watch Super Carlin Bros, like they have been advocators for a founder series for years now. And they did with the HBO um, announcement, they did a video kind of talking about the top seven things that they would want to see from a Harry Potter series. And with the founder series was obviously their number one. And they brought up some really cool things and some really cool elements that they could tie into that series. So I recommend you check out that video if you're interested in it. But just super quickly kind of talking about the, maybe the other two more popular ideas, the Marauders, and then just a remake. So how would we feel about those two things? Yeah, so I'll say there's those two. And then the fourth one, I feel like, which is, I think has the least attention, would be like a current day, you know, just like totally separate from the characters that we know, but, or more like a um just another generation of kids. Yeah, just like in general, just a completely separate storyline with characters we don't know. Just like yeah. in a time period we don't know. I know that's been one that people have kind of talked about in the past too. Yeah. Um so Marauders I would be interested in cuz cuz I've always thought there's something intriguing about the Marauders. I'm not like a Marauder stan like a lot of people. Um but I think it could be fun. And there's more untapped potential there. I think that a remake of the series is what I'm least excited about because I don't know in my I I want new storylines and for me like yes the movies are a failure like <laughs> check out our like, movie breakdowns <laughs> they're wildly successful movies And I still watch them and I still enjoy them. But, like, objectively, they fail to accurately portray the books. And so, like, I would love to get an accurate portrayal of the books on screen. But I think that, like, any remake or any attempt to put the books onto the screen is not going to satisfy me. And so that's why I'm, like, the least excited about it. I would just go go in with such low expectations. And I just think that, like, I don't know. I'm very, like... I'd, I'm very over... I still watch movies that I've read the books of, but I'm very over the, like, book-to-movie thing. And, and not, like, our episodes, but I'm very, <laughs> like... 
when I read a good book, I less so nowadays am like, I need to see this on the screen. Okay, I see that. Because I think I've just been disappointed so many times. Yeah. And so I think that, like, even if it's done as, like, an attempt to do it better than the movies did it, I just still think I'm going to get disappointed. Okay. My thoughts on kind of the three other options. I think Marauders may be if not the safest option, the second safest option for the production company. Literally everybody and their mother have been asking, has been asking for a Marauders series, basically since the end of the seven movies. I would watch a Marauders series. I think that the care, one of the strengths of the Marauders series is the Lily and James storyline. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the biggest points and questions pe- like diehard fans have from the series. How they got together, how Lily went from hating James to loving him, and just their dynamic in general. And then obviously the dynamic of the four Marauders. People eat that shit up. Like, people. There are Marauders fans. They are not even Harry Potter fans. Like, there are fans <laughs> of just the Marauders, honestly. Marauders fan fiction is probably, I have no stats on this, but might be like one of the most widely read fan fictions, like categories of any like fan fiction category. Um, I would watch it. It wouldn't be my favorite, but it would be interesting as long as they do those characters justice. And I think that's one of the negatives of the Marauders series is that people have put the Marauders on such a pedestal that I feel like they could only disappoint in a series. Can I jump in? Yes. <laughs> Specifically, the things that, like, have become canon to us about the Marauders, like, like something, like, about Lupin being queer. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, like, Lupin's not... series having a relationship in general has to be in yeah. the series if they make it, or there will yeah. be riots in the but... streets. But I don't think it will be. I don't know what I'm saying is I think there's a disconnect from the fan base to the people who make the decision. And I don't think that's going to get in. And I think that that like sets it up to fail. I feel like they could make one of those characters, if not both of them, not straight. But I don't know if they'd go as far as to make them have a relationship. Sirius and Lupin are the two characters I'm speaking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I feel about the Marauders. A remake would be, I think, is the top of their list, whether it be Warner Brothers or HBO. Yeah. When I heard that there was a Harry Potter series in development, I just assumed it was going to be a remake. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're at in the fandom and where the production company is at. I would be interested in watching a remake, I think a little bit more than Audrey, it seemed, <laughs> I would, obviously I'd want it in a series and the news was about a series. So that kind of adds hope, like more credence to that, that they're, Harry Potter is going to be remade, whether it is five years from now or 50 years from now, the Harry Potter story will be told again on some form of visual media. I think Mm -hmm. that's a given at this point. And I would love to be around to see it. I'm not saying I need it tomorrow. Maybe I would rather have it 10 years from now, in all honesty. But I think that's the number one option for these production companies. And I think that if they were to do it, they would do it better than the movies. 
good enough is probably a no, but better is probably a yes. That's fair. And then in terms of just a one-off separate story, that might rank number two on my list of what I would be most interested in. Wow. I, I think that's kind of what they tried, quote-unquote tried to do with Fantastic Beasts, and I think they failed miserably at that, obviously. <laughs> um, if they had just kind of kept it to be the Dumbledore Grindelwald story, I think it would have been more successful, but all of these other tie-ins and the McGonagall cameo <laughs> kind of is where it brought that down, in my opinion. Um, I think it would be, it would give them the most creative freedom. So I think give them the smallest chance of letting down readers slash viewers. Mm. We would come in with kind of zero expectations. And sometimes that is what I feel is the best for like either sequel series or just adaptations in general. Kind of finding a creative way to adapt the story. And I think the founders is like kind of an example of that. It is like completely separate basically from the series like none of those four characters are characters in the series in all honesty their houses still stay around but and we semi know their story but I think they do have the biggest thing is giving them creative freedom to make decisions on their own so that they're not letting us down if that makes sense I think is what I'm looking for yeah in new Harry Potter content so, okay, that went on for a while. <laughs> yeah, I just I had a lot of thoughts, so I wanted to make sure we talked about it. super quickly before we move on. Um, if you guys want to let us know your thoughts, maybe give us your rankings of what you want to see slash what you think will probably happen. We would love to see them. So send them our way. Yeah, and sorry if I totally bashed on whatever you see. <laughs> You'll yeah. probably get it, and I probably won't get a diverse queer founder series. Well, so. I think that's pretty, like, a general – I think a general idea in the fandom is that they definitely want more diverse characters and representation from what I've seen on Harry Potter TikTok, at least. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying I just have such little faith that we'll get it. I'm yeah. not saying I'm the only one that wants that. See, I know everyone wants that, but I they, just – don't think we'll get it. If they were to do it, I have faith that it would be more diverse. I think that the okay. backlash, sorry, I think the backlash of them not being more diverse would scare them enough to at least making it on paper, maybe not making the storylines more diverse, yeah. but like adding in more diverse people and maybe not that having a super big impact on the overall story and the themes of whatever story they're telling, but I think they would do it. Yeah, I I think they're certainly going to do that, but that's not what I want. I don't want them to just do it because they're afraid of backlash. I want them to do it because it will make the best show and it's worth doing. So I maybe don't have in them for that either. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, (laughs) but moving on to the episode. (laughs) I think we both are. Oh, and also sorry for not being like all on board for the Marauders series. I feel like that might get us bashed yeah. <laughs> but we are who we are here this is this is where we are in life um okay moving on to the real episode before we talk about those four characters that we mentioned ages ago when this episode started <laughs> i'm gonna go over just a quick overview of like known quidditch players gryffindor quidditch players 
So starting for keep at keeper, we know of Oliver Wood, Ron Weasley, and Cormac McLaggen because he did play a game or two. A game? Two games? Yeah, I think it was the only one game. I can't remember. I, know I think it, it was only one. Yeah, I think Ron. it was one, but it was like they also they just talked about him at practice so often that it felt yeah. like he was on the team for so much longer yeah. than he actually was. Um, in Half Blood Prince. For beaters, obviously, the Kings, Brad and George Weasley, and then Andrew Kirk and Jack Sloper took over for them once they were banned in fifth year by Umbridge after one of them, don't know which one, after one of them got into a fight and she banned both of them. George. I feel like it's George, it George too because I think it was the one who's like, who you wouldn't expect, quote unquote, but Fred was like upset that he didn't get to be in the fight anyways. He was like, I would have done it if I wasn't being held back. Because <laughs> Harry was holding George back, but then Harry ran and fought too. Anyways, then in sixth year, after obviously the twins left in fifth year, so in Half-Blood Prince, Jimmy Peaks and Richie Coote were the features. And I believe they were said to be better than Sloper and Kirk. Obviously they were better because if Sloper and Kirk might have still been at school and they lost the position. Then for chasers, we know of James Potter. And then, so the years attached to him on the wiki were 74 to 77. I don't know if those are canon years or if we just assumed he like started playing his third year until the seventh year, or I don't know where that number, those numbers come from. Then Angelina Johnson, Johnson, sorry, I say Alicia because that's how Jim Dale says it. But I know that you say Alicia, but I think I could be wrong, but I think in like in Britain, like slash England, I think it is Alicia. I think that's how they pronounce it. Okay. Well, I'm going to say Alicia. for That's fine. (laughs) You do you. Um, And Katie Bell. So Angelina and Alicia were books one through five. And then Katie Bell was book one through six. One through five and a half, basically. She didn't really make it through much of six years. Um, <laughs> then Jenny Weasley replaced Katie Bell. Sure. Yeah, but she did also play Seeker once Harry was banned. Yeah. In year five. Yeah, well. I have her in the Seeker oh, list, Oh, you have too. her there. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I just have the chasers. Or you put the chasers first, actually. Um, then Demelza Robbins and Dean Thomas are also on here. I don't know they were- why... Well, so I think Ginny and Dean and Katie were the first. Oh, because this is six year. Because Angelina yeah, and the... Alicia are gone. Okay, okay. Or maybe Demelza and Ginny and Katie were the chasers to start in yeah, six and year. Yeah, and then Dean replaced he brings Katie. in Dean. And Harry's like, as much as it pained me. Yeah. Because Dean and Ginny were dating. <laughs> yeah, but Dean was the best chaser. Which I feel like... I, that just adds to, like, the question I've always had is, like, why are there so few people that can make the Quidditch team? Like, if Dean is really that good that he's literally, like, the fourth best chaser in the Gryffindor house, I feel like there should either be, like, a JV, like, Quidditch squad or something. Like, I don't know. I think we just never hear of it because I will talk about this later with Alicia, um, she's mentioned as having been a reserve the oh, okay. year before. Okay. Even though we never hear that word again, even though Harry was yeah, well, maybe, captain. So. 
maybe Oliver Wood had reserves because and he was just an idiot. Or I guess that might have been Charlie's year as captain, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Demelza, Dean, and Ginny were kind of the most for most of the time the three chasers because Katie was gone from October to like April or March. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then for Seekers, we have McGonagall in the years of who knows to who knows. And then we have Charlie Weasley, and he's listed as 86 to 91, which I believe would just be like second through seventh year. Um, Then Harry Potter, obviously, and then Ginny Weasley, when, like we talked about before, she stepped in when Harry was banned in Order of the Phoenix. But she would rather play Chaser, which is why she switches to Chaser. Slash Harry came back, so. Yeah. Um, and also we know that Charlie was captain mm-hmm. for some percentage of that. Yeah, I didn't list the captains because I, apparently we know, like, every Gryffindor Quidditch captain ever. I don't know what the sources were on that. Um, but we didn't know their positions, and so I just didn't add any of them because I didn't want to add all of them. Wait, what? We know every Quidditch captain ever? Yeah, so, like, the list on the wiki of, like, Gryffindor Quidditch captains was, like, at least 10 to 12 people long from what I saw. Interesting. Okay, so jumping into our first character here, we have Mr. Oliver Wood. So his name is Oliver Wood. Um, a little bit on the etymology, we have the olive, the olive branch is a symbol of peace, and the olive tree's symbolism also includes a great harvest and a long life. So Wood, then, obviously, is his last name, it's a place name, like Brooks or Field, and suggests ancestors who live near or in a forest, or who, who were woodcutters. It is possible that Wood was meant to be the opposite of the name Flint, so, Marcus Flint oh is the gosh. Slytherin I've Quidditch never captain. Of that. Flint, as in like the stone, wood, opposites. That's really good. That's good. Isn't that kind of cool? That is good. I didn't come up with any of that. That was all the <laughs> wiki. But um, I thought that I was cool. I feel like that is, that is good enough to have been like planned. I feel like a lot of times, like things just work out. I feel mm. like that's. I feel like that almost had to be planned by the author, yeah. you know? Yeah. I I think maybe she had the name Wood and then... She just needed a When name. she went with Flint, she was like something like similar but the opposite, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then his birthday, he would have been born between October 1975 and August 1976 uh, because he... Is the same year as Percy, so he I've seen is... a lot of people, like, ship them on the internet because they were, like, the same year. And while I get, like, the whole opposites, like, attract thing, I'm, like, I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. for that ship. <laughs> I'm, I'm not for that ship. Um, so, yeah, like, he shared a dormitory with Percy. Um, I actually think that, like, they're opposites, but they're kind of really similar. They're both, like, really intense have, and ambitious. Yeah. They have a ton of drive. They're really intense, and they just, like, focus everything on 
one thing they just choose different things to focus on like Oliver one is Wood, a jock and one is a nerd yeah <laughs> Oliver Wood is Quidditch 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 like that's literally he's like a jock but he's not really a cool jock because he's so obsessed with Quidditch like he can't keep his cool and then Percy is like obviously school 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 focused on that not so cool I think in any way either <laughs> and it's interesting to like compare the two um they actually are kind of similar um but anyway, yeah. His position obviously was keeper. Um, I'm partial to a keeper. And <laughs> he was on the team at least by 1991 um, through 1994. I feel like he probably made the team like his second year. Um, yeah. Because he's so obsessed. Um, he was captain for the 91-92, which was Harry's first year the 92-93 season and the 93-94 season we know that charlie was captain and we assume that charlie was captain through all seven like or like through his seventh year but the twins do say that they know oliver's speech by heart from being on the team with him last year so maybe he was like an assistant captain or he just liked to give the pre-match speeches even though he wasn't captain <laughs> i could see um, that <laughs> So, because, like, we would assume that Charlie was captain in his seventh year, um, if he was captain at all. So, yeah. Oliver was captain for at least three seasons, but definitely on the team for more than that. Yeah. Um, we do not know his wand. I put wand and Patronus in all these fact files, um... I don't, I don't think, think we know, know any, any of them, of them. No. <laughs> but Patronus I thought was interesting because I don't know that Oliver Wood would have a Patronus. Like, I don't know that he would ever have learned it because it's not taught in the normal Hogwarts curriculum and he wasn't in Dumbledore's army because he had already graduated and it's not like he went to go like be an or like he wouldn't no one would have taught him how to cast a Patronus, yeah. like, at Puddlemere United, so. <laughs> In his keeper training. I feel like it's safe to assume that he does not know how to cast a Patronus. But, I don't know, maybe it was something that, like, more people, like, taught themselves, or, like, older wizards taught um, younger wizards when the war came about. Yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, speaking of life after Hogwarts. We know that he became a reserve keeper for Puddlemere United. Um, and I think just, I remember from like Quidditch to the Ages, Puddlemere United is a pretty good team. I think they've won the league a fair amount of times. It's also the team that Dumbledore supports. So mm. I'm sure he was happy to see one of his former students, um, playing for Puddlemere. So we don't know if he, like, how far he went in his playing career, we just hear, um, kind of immediately after that, when they see him, at, when Harry sees him at the Quidditch World Cup, that he's become, got signed as a reserve keeper, so I assume that, like, eventually he works his way through the ranks and gets a starting job, or, like, goes to another team and is the starting keeper there, um, because we're led to believe that he is a very good Quidditch player, I don't think there was any question of what he was going to do with his career. Um, but what do you think he would have done, like, post-playing career? Well, so 
Before we move on about his career, I have always, I don't know why, I think it's probably because we only know him to be a part of a reserve team. I either always thought slash feared that he would kind of just be like a like a minor league player and never mm. actually like achieve his dream. I don't know why, but I always just kind of like thought that. And he's like really sad, honestly. I hope he was successful. But I feel like because he was billed to us as like the best keeper, like we, they like they never had any question that he would like save a shot, yeah. right? They're like, Wood's back there. Like, we got it. Like, don't worry about it. He's got it, you know? And then him ending up on a reserve team, I feel like that just gave me so much anxiety about, like, he wasn't actually as good as he thought he was, like, when he made mm. it into, like, the big leagues. You know what I mean? Um, so that's well, I mean, what... It is, it's got to be quite a jump going from, like, high school. It's not even, like, college. It's going I from, know, like, high like, school like, to the pros. So, like, I can see, like, many... you have to be a reserve for a few years. I know, but how big is the pool of Quidditch players? That's my thing. That's true, and there are a lot of teams. Yeah. And, like, I get that, like, it, I'm sure people from not It's harder from to be keeper, Brit- though. That is true. I'm sure that there are people, like, not from Britain and Ireland that play on these, like, Britain and Ireland teams. I understand that. But even with that, I don't know. That just made me really nervous for him and his, like, life. Oh, man, you're (laughs) making me doubt him. Sorry. Um, But I I do think he probably would have become a coach. For sure. a coach. Okay, yeah, that's a really good choice. Um, I think, I, I didn't think of that because we never, like, see coaches yeah. with Quidditch. I feel like there um, has to be, right? Was there talk of coaches at the Quidditch World Cup? Was there, I like, the other, so. like, the Ireland coach? I don't know. Not that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I thought since I didn't think of coach, I thought he would, like, do, kind of, like, be, like, Ludo mm-hmm. Bagman. Not in the, like, sleaziness, but in the, like clearly stuck in his glory days like going to the quidditch world cup as like a ministry official who's helping to organize it and like wearing his his uniform (laughs) that no longer fits him like in that kind of sense not in the like gambling and ripping people off sense but yeah i could totally see oliver wood just like never moving on from the fact that he played professional quidditch but i guess you think he never even played professional (laughs) Uh, I'm just worried Uh, about him is all I'm saying worried about his well-being I have faith that he was the keeper for the English team for at least one Quidditch World Cup okay Um, they didn't win it but I'm saying they he like went there yeah um and so then the other thing we know about him is that he returned for the Battle of Hogwarts and Harry saw him like during the break in action. He was carrying Colin Creevy's body with Neville and like the heart wrenching moment is that it was Colin was so small that Oliver Wood is just like, Neville, it's fine, I can carry him by myself. Like they had been carrying bodies in back into the Great Hall, and he didn't need any help with that. Yeah. So that's depressing. Okay, wait. <laughs> Sorry. Going back to him playing professional Quidditch. Oh also, God. so few people we know of go on to play professional Quidditch. Like, from Harry's time at Hogwarts, like, they were known to be, like, the best Gryffindor team in years, right? 
only Oliver and Ginny go on to what we know, go on to play professional Quidditch. That number is so low. And we don't know of anybody else at Hogwarts from their time going on to play professional Quidditch. So who plays professional Quidditch? Like, who are these people? Because they're not going from Hogwarts. Maybe there's, like, a Quidditch Academy school. You know how, like, kids <laughs> go to, like, sports academies where, yeah. like... It's like they're getting an education, but they're really just playing sports. Yeah. Like, maybe there's that, and we just don't know about it. Yeah. I mean, I just... Like, we hear of Gwenog Jones coming from, like, Hogwarts. Like, I, we assume that all of these people who play quid, professional Quidditch, like, and have British birth, right, like, went to Hogwarts. I, can, I think there's a Quidditch Academy. <laughs> I think it's on the DL because it's, like, you're supposed to go to Hogwarts, but... Okay, okay. Sorry. It's, like, underground. Okay. Okay. Um, But anyway, Oliver would survive the Battle of Hogwarts because he's, like, seen afterwards. And then as far as, like, notable things in the series, like, he was the person that introduced Harry to Quidditch, essentially, like, the first time Harry played Quidditch um, or learned the rules or anything was through, like, with Oliver in a one-on-one practice and so there's kind of like that bond between the two of them even though even if Harry doesn't really feel that bond (laughs) um and then of course he is kind of the most intense um person on the team and captain even though Angelina who Katie will talk about next does uh seem to rival Oliver Wood in that sense yeah I think there's a quote that like are we sure that, like, Wood wasn't, like, reincarnated in Angelina? Yeah. They're like, are we sure Wood is Harry's like, reunited? Yeah, he's like, we should check that Wood's still, like, alive. Because <laughs> I think he just, just yes. took over Angelina. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of, like, the running bit throughout the, the time that he's there. That he's, like, obsessed with Quidditch. He's obsessed with winning the Quidditch Cup. And... Every interaction Harry has with Wood is about Quidditch. Whereas, like, these other characters, we know that they were, like, in the, the Dumbledore's army and, like, that kind of stuff. They would have, like, friendships with Fred and George on the side. But I don't think Oliver Wood is ever mentioned in the series <laughs> without a tie-in to Quidditch. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, it, who he is. Like, everything he embodies. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. And then I will read his first mention. So this is McGonagall has just caught Harry flying. Um, She saw him catch the remember all that Malfoy threw. And Harry's following her. He thinks that he's about to be suspended. And we pick up with, Excuse me, Professor Flitwick, could I borrow wood for a moment? Wood, thought Harry, bewildered. Was Wood a cane she was going to use on him? But Wood turned out to be a person, a burly fifth-year boy who came out of Flitwick's class looking confused. Follow me, you two, said Professor McGonagall, and they marched up on, on up the corridor, Wood looking curiously at Harry. In here, Professor McGonagall pointed them into a classroom that was empty except for Peeves, who was busy writing rude words on the blackboard. Out, Peeves, she barked. Da, 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 da. Potter, this is Oliver Wood. Wood, I found you a seeker. Ah. His expression changed from puzzlement to delight. And that is how we get to know Oliver Wood. 
<sighs> and then we meet him again in the movies, and he's played by a fine man. <laughs> Child. Ew, gross. Um, <laughs> I don't know how old he was <laughs> when, I, when he filmed that. Like, not very old. Well, he's probably older than... My guess is he was older than Wood was supposed to be. So he's probably, like, 17, 18. Okay. Maybe of age. <laughs> okay. Um, so next we have Angelina Johnson. And her name is Angelina Johnson. Then very little about her etymology, the etymology of her name on the wiki. But it does say that Angelina is a Latin diminutive of the name Angela, which is derived from the Greek... Angelos, meaning messenger or angel. And then Johnson just means son of John. Um, I don't really think I can read any deeper meaning into that. Her birthday <laughs> is between October 24th and October 30th, 1989. No. 1988. Sorry, I didn't write down the year. I'm trying to do math. No. 1977. Seven. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I was thinking years at Hogwarts, sorry, <laughs> 1977, and we know this, we have a smaller time frame from her because in Goblet, when the Triwizard Tournament was announced and we knew that there was going to be an age restriction, she said like just last week she turned of age, so mm -hmm. between October 24th and October 30th, so end of October. Um, her position... Uh, for Quidditch with Chaser and she was also captain as we kind of talked about and she was on the team we don't know when her first year on the team was but it was between her like Harry's first year was her third year second year because her third. last yeah third year so my guess is she probably joined either the year before or two years before two years before would have been her first year True. My guess is... I think she probably joined the year before because... Yeah, like, that would be my guess. Lee doesn't say anything about her being new to the team. Yeah, no, I'd say at least the year before. I don't think that Harry's first year was her first year. Um, but I also, like, I don't know. I feel like Chaser is a more, like, in-demand position, so I feel like she may not have gotten it her first year. Yeah, yeah. also, well, don't we know that... Is Harry the youngest seeker or the youngest, youngest player? Youngest seeker, youngest seeker. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and she played through her seventh year in 1996. We don't know her wand or her Patronus. Um, so then her life after Hogwarts, we know like a little bit more about her than the other ones. Um, <laughs> so she did return to Hogwarts in May of 1998 to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts because she was notified by her GA galleon that she kept on her. And she, it was said that she arrived with Katie, Alicia, and Oliver, which, like, is cute, but also I feel like is not, like, which is kind of like a nod, like, these these people come in a package. <laughs> That's why we're doing them as an episode. I think, yeah. like, Katie and Alicia make sense, because, like, they all, they, like, could be, like, near each other, you know? Yeah. And, like, they all would have been notified by the galleon. Yeah. But Oliver... Well, they might have gone to get Oliver, honestly. That might yeah. be why Oliver's with them. Maybe I guess. I'm talking but, like, were they that place. close of friends with Oliver? Like, would they be like, shit, there's a war about to happen. You know who we need to go find? Oliver. He'd want to be in this. <laughs> we also have really have, like, no indication that Oliver is, like... To be fair, this might sound crass, but, like, that concerned with the, like, well-being of 
like with fighting Voldemort because yeah. like he wasn't a part of the DA, so like he wasn't like he like, wasn't at Hogwarts him. during like the fifth year, and I feel like that was the fifth. The fifth year is when people are like, okay, like shit's getting real. Like we got yeah, we like get ready. The last time we see him in the series before the Battle of Hogwarts is at the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. And that's before even, like, all the shit goes down at the Quidditch yeah. World Cup. So he's just, like, not... <laughs> like, once the war starts, Oliver Wood is not in it until yeah. the battle. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so after the events of the Battle of Hogwarts, and specifically Fred dying... Um, we can presume that she uh, got a little closer with George and at some point started dating him, which is, like, kind of weird if you think about it, which is, like, but also kind of not weird because, like, Fred was the one who went to the old ball with Angelina and then George was, like, the one who marries her. But, like, I mean, Fred and Angelina could have gone as, like, just friends, you know? Like, it was never yeah. said that they dated. We never know that they dated, so I think... I, I think we always let, are like, mm, it's a little weird, but I, like, I don't think it's weird. Yeah. Like, even if they did date, I feel like it was not serious and, like, kind of a short-term thing. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But we do know that, like, Fred also had a little bit of a crush on her, at least, you know? Um... We, I think we also did. Yeah, I think no, I have a note about that later. Like, yeah. she's known to be, like, pretty beautiful. We know of, like, the twins having crushes on her. And Lee, like, literally in her first mention is, like, she's a very beautiful girl or something like that. And we also know, kind of, this I have a note later, but I'll just bring it up now. Pansy Parkinson is a little insecure because of her. She, you know how she always tries to, like, attack other people, other people's looks to, like, make her feel better. And she says that Angelina's braids look like snakes coming out of her head. I so, think she says worms. So does she say snakes? The note I have is snakes, but it might be worms. I might have just Either way, that it's, wrong. like, highly insensitive and yes. racist and yes. not okay. So yes. if you wanted more reason to not like Pansy Parkinson, there you go. Yeah, I don't think really anybody needed more of a reason because we already know that she's like quasi-racist based on like her pure bloodism, you know, like yeah. in conjunction. But yeah, no, not a great look. Um, and then, so like I said, Fred and, or maybe I didn't say this, Fred and Angelina ended up getting married. Um, yes, Sorry. George and Angelina. Sorry, I have Fred throughout this because they get married and have a child named Fred. So, like, Fred is peppered throughout these notes. Um, Yeah, George and Angelina get married and they have two children, Fred and Roxanne. So, we also know a little bit more about her based on the Quidditch World Cup writing that came out in 2014. So, she attended the Quidditch World Cup in... 2014 with her family and here is a quote from that writing during the match commentator Rita Skeeter mentioned rumors that Angelina had quote grown restless unquote in her marriage to George and thus chosen to leave her marital home to live elsewhere presumably with her lover her fellow (laughs) commentator referring to Rita so Rita's fellow commentator Angelina's sister-in-law Ginny Potter quickly refuted these rumors explaining that Angelina had recently been caring for her father Plot twist. Fred faked his own death and is Angelina's lover. Uh, can you imagine? You wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Like, you wouldn't, like, let alone, be like, people keeping separate families. But can you imagine them, like, looking exactly the same? Like, how much more confusing that would make it? Um, 
But yeah, I thought that was like a fun little note there. So then talking about like kind of her role in this series. So she is one of the few characters like specifically described in the canon writing of this series as being dark, I think is the word that is used to describe Mm -hmm. her skin. So presumably, maybe not presumably, obviously black. Um, And she is portrayed as a person, like a person of color, like a black person, black woman portrays her in the movies. So check one, you know, basic (laughs) quick check um, for those movies and their quote diversity, unquote. Um, So yeah, I mean, I don't really have a lot to talk about that because as maybe we haven't explicitly talked about this, but with the conversation of race in the Harry Potter series, it really isn't thing it's like blood purity is kind of the allegory of race Mm. in the series Mm -hmm. and so besides that little note from pansy parkinson i don't know if there's really any mention of like her being bullied or targeted or discriminated against because of her skin Mm. color and we are maybe led to believe that skin color is not like a dividing thing in the wizarding world take of that what you will Mm. but yeah I don't really have a bunch of notes on that because honestly I don't think that there's a lot to say because there's not a lot to go off of with race in this series but I just figured I should mention that um yeah that's a good point I don't, my opinion as a white woman, so take of that what you will, I don't believe that Angelina falls into many of, like, the harmful stereotypes of, like, black women. Um, Like, she is an athlete. Like, maybe that is something. Um, But in general, I don't think that she embodies, like, our conversation about Cho Chang and how she kind of embodies Mm -hmm. a lot of the harmful, um, like, prejudices and what's the word I'm looking for? Stereotypes? Yes, sorry. Stereotypes about, like, Asian people, Asian women. Um, I kind of thought about it. I didn't think about it too much or look into it that much, but, again, take a a white woman's opinion what you will. I don't think that there's too much harmful stereotyping going on with Angelina Johnson. If if I'm wrong, like, please let me know. I'd love to hear um, like, ideas and examples i will say perspectives um, i think that and i like didn't go through and gather evidence for this but i think it's interesting to maybe think about the ways that angelina and oliver are talked about with their respective like captaincies and how they're like obsessiveness and kind of demanding quote-unquote bossiness um is taken and I think there can be I don't know I I would have to do like a full-on case study of this and like look at it like while I'm reading the books because it comes up at such like random moments Mm -hmm. but I just think it'd be interesting to see how they're both talked about do you know what I mean yeah like if there are kind of, like, misogynistic ways of, like, seeing a woman in power and also um, the intersection of that with her race. Like, a black woman in power is often very threatening to many people. Um, 
specifically white men, um, but everyone, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I just think it'd be interesting to see if, like, oh, like, Oliver's crazy about Quidditch, but, like, you know, that's just Oliver, and then Angelina, yeah. like, oh, she's taking it too far, she's, you know, she's bossy. I wonder if that happens, and if, like, maybe she, like, borders on, like, an angry black woman trope. Yeah, that was kind of the one that popped into my mind when I started to think critically about um, her representation, and nothing really jumped to mind, which is why I didn't add anything, because I didn't, I didn't have anything that really did jump to mind, and I think if there were any, it would definitely be in Order of the Phoenix. Um, but I, I feel like that, again, this is just my personal opinion, I feel like she comes off as more kind of, like, desperate than angry yes. like when she's yeah. like when she's like when she's talking like, with Harry about like, it like stressed. you don't yeah she's out like she feels like frayed almost like she's like yeah. holding on by a like a tether basically and not so much like angry and bossy um so that was just kind of my perception but I think that it would be interesting to go back and read it maybe with the mindset of, like, reading it as an angry black woman and, like, that stereotype and seeing if you could take anything away from that, you know? Like, reading it with those eyes. I think she's, like, fiery and badass, you know, like, in a good way. So I don't know um, if there's any, like, substance to that. Yeah. I would love to hear other people's thoughts um, and if anyone has like paid more attention to that while reading the series. Yeah. If anybody knows of any like writing or like conversation that has been done about it, I'd love to read it. Like any pieces they recommend, but just a little bit more about her character. So she was a part of the DA, but she was kind of like, I'll be a part of the DA, but like it can't interfere with my quitted practices. Like she was always (laughs) very quick to be like, it has to, like, the day, the day we meet can't, like, mess with Quidditch practice, can't mess with Quidditch. Um, and she was known, like I mentioned before, this is my notes about, like, her being known to be very pretty and the twins having crushes on her. Um, on the note of the actress, just quickly, the actress that played her before the fourth movie did change. So one actress, I believe it was one actress, played her one through three, and then a new one was mm. picked for four. She was still not like she's still black so they didn't like whitewash her like lavender lavender brown sorry i couldn't think of the name for a second um and there's a note on the wiki that this was done because um the original actress like her age how she looked age-wise didn't really match up with the twins as well as this new actress um Mm. because this is when like they get asked um when the ball happens um so they cast somebody who looked a little bit more looked a little bit closer in age to the Phelps twins and then that was the last movie that she was seen in her name appeared on the GA like student list but I guess she wasn't seen in any movie past four Hmm. and then for her first mention it's in the Quidditch chapter of Sorcerer's Stone quote Wood cleared his throat for silence okay men he said and women, said Chaser, Angelina Johnson. And women, would agree. This is it. And then, I'm just going to continue reading because it's really funny. The big one, said Fred Weasley. The one we've all been waiting for, said George. <laughs> we know Oliver's speech by heart, Fred told Harry. We were on the team last year. Shut up, you two, said Wood. This is the best team Gryffindor has had in years. We're going to win. I know it. He glared at them as if to say, or else. Okay, 
else out there. <laughs> um, but yeah. Do you, do you want to also read what uh, Lee said about Angelina? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, okay, so it says, wait, no, where did it go? Oh, um, and the quaffle is taken immediately by Angelina Johnson of Gryffindor. What an excellent chaser that girl is, and rather attractive, too. Jordan. Sorry, Professor. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that is, like, a great first mention for Angelina. The, like, and women. We stand that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> what an icon. So, next up, we have Alicia Spinnett, and she's definitely the one we have the least information about. Um, so the name Alicia or Alicia is related to the name Alice and ultimately the German name Adelheid, which means a noble type of person, also kind and beauty. (laughs) The last name, um, Spinet is a real name and it exists, but it's often spelled with two T's and in the books it's only with one. A Spinet. Um, with one N and one T is a small upright piano. And Alicia's name may also be a variation of spinner or spinny, which is a small grove of trees. Hmm. So her birthday is sometime 1977 to 78. So the same year as Angelina, Fred, and George. Um, but we don't know like what time of year. We don't it's never said that she enters into the Triwizard Tournament or that she's able to, so presumably, like, after October. Um, her position is chaser, and it was actually mentioned on the wiki that she took penalty shots most often for the team. Hmm. Um, so that's interesting. I wonder if she was just, like, the most cool under pressure, or, I mean, you just usually, like, in soccer, you have a designated penalty kick taker for the most part, and so she was probably just the best at them. Yeah, she was on the team as a reserve in 1990, so the year before Harry got there, and then was on the team fully as a starter from 1991 to 96. And so that would have been, um, she was a reserve in her second year, and then a full time player her third year on. No idea on her wand, and no idea on her paternus. And as with all the other characters, we know that she returned to the Battle of Hogwarts. But that's, like, all we know for her life after Hogwarts. I feel like we can safely assume that she, like, remains close friends with Angelina. Maybe she's, like, Angelina's maid of honor at her wedding to George. That would be cute. That would be cute. Um, And I like the idea of, like, her staying a part of, like... Harry and the Weasley's life kind of through Angelina. Um, Because I feel like with all of these characters, like, I feel like Harry and Fred and George and Ron and all of them have to be, like, closer with them than we're led to believe based on the interactions we see. Um, Like, they went to school together for many years and had a lot of stuff in common, lived in the same place. So. Yeah, and I mean, the team is so small, so, like, imagine the, like, camaraderie and, like, friendship you build with, like, a soccer team or, like, right. a team of, like, a bigger size. This team is seven people. Like, yeah. <laughs> they have For to sure. be, I mean, they don't have to be, but I feel like they would be fairly good friends and fairly close. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, nothing super notable to discuss for her in the series. Um, of course, she joined Dumbledore's army along with her friends. Um, we know that when Umbridge was sitting in on Flitwick and observing his teaching, she was asked by Umbridge about Flitwick, and um, Alicia said only good things about Flitwick, so there you go. Uh, Is that like the only mention boy. we have of her outside of Quidditch? Um... So, interestingly, she's never, like, I don't think her physical appearance is ever described in the books. Um, So, we don't know her race in the books. And she's portrayed by a black woman in both movies where, like, someone is credited as playing Alicia Spinnett. Um, At Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. In Sorcerer's Stone, it's Layla Sutherland. And Chamber of Secrets, Rochelle Douglas. Um... After that, like, there are people in the background that we can guess are Alicia Spinnett, but, like, she's never credited. Um, So I just think it's interesting that, like, she also is portrayed as a black woman. Um, I was thinking about this while you were talking about Angelina, because I was thinking about that shirt I have from Black Girls Create that's, Mm -hmm. like, all the names. And I'm pretty sure Alicia isn't on it. Yeah. Um... Which is interesting because, like, Lavender is on it with an asterisk. And, like, she's someone who was portrayed by a black person in the movies and then by a white person. So. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they missed Alicia there. Um, yeah. But yeah. I've always just... I didn't even realize that she wasn't mentioned as being black in the books because, like, I've always just pictured her as black because of the movies. Mm. I also... I think that, like, we know so little about her because she really takes a back burner to Angelina and like they have like similar names and yeah. little chasers and they're the same year and so like they're both in the DA all of that they're kind of always doing stuff together and they seem like they're really good friends but then at a certain point in the fourth book when Fred takes Angelina to the ball mostly is like when it starts to shift and we just hear more about Angelina and like Alicia's there with her but like Angelina's always the one talking um and so like all of kind of like the dialogue and the character traits go to Angelina and Alicia becomes more of a background character um Except, like, I feel like we still hear about her consistently, like, during actual games. Because yeah. we hear the commentary. Yeah. But other than that, um, we don't really... She's not, like, a character in her own right. I do think it's interesting. We never know who goes to the ball with George. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, like, she went with George because, like, her best friend was going with Fred. I don't know. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> his best friend was going with Angelina. <laughs> yeah, or maybe she went with Lee... And George went with someone else from that year. I don't know. I need a breakdown of who went with who to the Yule Ball. Like, just a (laughs) list. That's the extra Harry Potter content I need in my life. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be funny. Okay, and so then her first mention is, like, one page after Angelina's first mention. Um, And so... This is actually right after Lee Jordan was talking about Angelina, he says, and she's really belting along up there. A neat pass to Alicia Spinnett, a good find of Oliver Oliver Woods, last year only a reserve. And then she passes the ball back to Johnson, and that's that. Yeah. 
So lastly, we have uh, Katie Bell. Great name. Um, I gave you her to talk about. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I do have a little bit of the etymology of her name. So Katie is derived from Catherine. Shocker. Um, which is itself derived from the Greek name. They don't give me the English translation of this, so I don't know what it is. Um, who I guess is from... The name is related to the goddess Hecate, Hecate, who is like the goddess of magic. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, it could also be related to another Greek word meaning torture, which is uh, oh. like related to Katie because she's tortured her seventh year basically by the cursed necklace. So I've never heard of those etymologies for Katie, but whatever. We'll go with it. Um, and then Bell is an English name with various meanings. A person who lived near a town or a church bell. A bell ringer, as in like bells in a church, like Hunchback of Notre Dame. Think that. Mm-hmm. Or beautiful or handsome. So, yeah. Um, she was born between September 1st of 1978 and August 31st of 1979. So she is a year behind Angelina twins but a year ahead of golden trio and then she was on the team at least from 91 to 96 i think i could pretty confidently say that it was her first year slash i think it might say that maybe not no it just says alicia's first year but she would have been a first year the year before so i don't know yeah. We don't know her wand or her Patronus. Um, her, oh no, this was Angelina's. I believe Angelina's Patronus was listed as non-corporeal on the wiki, but that was from the Lego game, so I didn't feel inclined to add that to my notes. For her life after Hogwarts. So this is kind of interesting. So in the movies, in the Half-Blood, in Half-Blood Prince, she is shown in potions class with Harry. So the movies kind of retcon her as the same hmm. year as Harry because she's also on the train in seven when the Dementors like board the train and Neville's like, he's not here. Like she's seen oh, there. And the explanation on the wiki is that she repeated her seventh year because uh, she was gone for six months. But that doesn't change the fact that she was in Harry's potions class pre her being cursed with the yeah. necklace. So I think that was kind of like somebody trying to like make sense of what was going on, but I think the movie just retconned her as being in Harry's year for no reason. Um, Maybe just to have her be in the potions lesson to be like, hey, this is a character in this series or in this movie. I don't know. But not that the book really kind of directly contradicts this fact, but in the book it's mentioned that she arrives to Hogwarts like for the Battle of Hogwarts along with Angelina, Alyssa, and Oliver. So from that, I could assume that even though she was gone from Hogwarts for six months, she just like passed her NEWTs. Like, no big deal. <laughs> Apparently you don't need to go to class to, to graduate from Hogwarts, but that's fine. <laughs> um, and then during the Battle of Hogwarts, she was seen fighting with, uh, like not with, sorry, alongside of Aberforth, Leanne, and Seamus at some point so then I'm just gonna go through okay so part of when we were talking about doing this 
something that I thought of slash maybe had talked about with Audrey is that I swear to God, Katie Bell is just like a punching bag throughout the series. Like I feel <laughs> yeah. like every time somebody gets hurt, like it's Katie Bell. So we're going to go through some of those highlights. So in her second year, in her first ever Quidditch game, if we're assuming that like um, it was actually listed as her first ever Quidditch game on the wiki. So they're kind of operating under the assumption that her second year was her first year playing Chaser as well. She was hit in the back of the head with a bludger. Um, so in Sorcerer's Stone. Nice. During a game against Slytherin in her fourth year. So Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, a Slytherin player, the Slytherin player Montague grabbed Harry or Katie's like hair like, her ponytail while she was flying. And so, like, she, it caused her to do this, like, cartwheel in midair, which I kind of mm-hmm. picture as, like, her head stopping, but the rest of her body kind of, like, <laughs> flipping. <laughs> yeah. And so she lost the quaffle, and this was awarded a penalty shot, which she took it and won. Or scored, sorry, not won. <laughs> in her sixth year, so, no. In her seventh year, because this was in Half Blood Prince, right? No, no, this, this is order. In order. I thought yeah. Harry was captain at this point. No, it was Angelina. No. Okay, um, in her sixth year, so Order of the Phoenix, at practice one day, Ron hit her in the face with a quaffle, like breaking her nose, which like isn't explicitly said, but when your nose bleeds as much as Katie's did, like I feel like it was broken. Well, it it bleeds more because the twins gave her. Yeah, I, I have that note next. Okay, but what I'm saying, well, like, I'm just saying. I, but yeah, but I feel like when you get hit in the nose with like a round, I f- it's like what I'm saying is that it's not that hard to break your nose. Like your nose breaks pretty easily. So I'm assuming yeah. that her nose was broken. And then the twins try and help her out by giving her like, I I think it's assumed slash maybe said it's like part of the the part of the nosebleed nugget that's supposed to stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not happen in it she actually bleeds more and she's like I think she like almost passes out and they have to like carry her to the hospital wing because she's like bleeding out so good job twins (laughs) then in seventh year she's targeted by Draco who follows her into the bathroom um I feel like that's not talked about enough (laughs) um that's like not not okay I don't appreciate that. I hate that, actually. But he follows her into the bathroom and imperiouses her to take this curse necklace to Dumbledore and attempt to kill him. Because, like, that's just, like, a really streamlined, like, foolproof way to murder somebody, right? (laughs) Um, So her and her friend, Leanne, as they're walking back to Hogwarts, like, Katie's acting, like, super weird, right, Leanne? Like, what? Like, what do you have? Like, where are you taking that? Like, what are you talking about? And, like, Leanne tries to grab the package, and as she's doing that, like, it causes Katie to touch the, the, um, necklace. And I think it said that there was, like, a little hole in her glove that she touched it Mm. through, and that's why it wasn't really as bad as it could have been, because she didn't actually like full-on touch it it's like just barely and this like cursed her I don't think we ever really know like what like what happened yeah like did it affect her heart did it affect like her like I don't know she was cursed and like she was dying so they like immediately take her to St. Mungo's and on the wiki everywhere it said six months and 
I assume we kind of know about the time that she gets back because like Harry is like Katie's finally back and like it's kind of like a big deal so you can at least like semi place that within the year based on kind of like other events occurring at this time so it's probably like and it was we know it was October when she was cursed so like October to like March April would be my guess um she was in St. Longo's recovering from this so like she like really got messed up yeah so basically Katie is just important more important than Alicia because she just gets injured more often than Alicia does um yeah and she I don't know if I mentioned this but she was part of the DA too yeah um and her first mention is probably the worst quote worst of all that like it is that's chaser Katie Bell of Gryffindor there nice dive around Flint and then it's just like Quidditch commentary. Nice dive, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Nice dive around Flint. Up the field and ouch. That must have hurt. Hit in the back of the head by a bludger. So, there's that. There it is. There it is. There's her getting hit. She, she's, always get, she's always getting hurt. <laughs> um, which, like, to be fair... Katie, me, is also quite clumsy and accident prone, so I feel that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I have to say about Katie. I have her wand. It is possibly the shortest wand of all of the ones in the Noble Collection. Is it, it really? is so small. I wonder it's, if it's shorter than Umbridge's. I, I don't know, but like up against other wands, like it is almost half the size I feel like it is so small like my hand covers it like it's probably two of my fists is how long it is I feel like I feel like you showed it to me but I don't remember it it's like not special (laughs) no it's nothing special but I got it because Katie you know that is our Gryffindor Quidditch episode slash I feel like almost half of this episode was us talking about what we want (laughs) In terms of future Harry Potter media. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I, I had fun. It's something that, like, I've kind of wanted to talk about for a little bit now. But with the HBO announcement and kind of all of the frenzy that happened online, I figured it was a good time. And we've kind of, like, we've kind of talked about some of those things in the past. Like, we've definitely mentioned the Marauders and kind of whether we'd want to see that or not. And the Founders series as well. Are you concerned about the fact that your favorite Harry Potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. 
Okay, so for the pop quiz today, the question is, because we've already done like what position you would play if you played Quidditch. So who do you think was the best Gryffindor Quidditch player? And I didn't put this in the question, but I kind of, like, I thought of it as, like, from the series. Like, not going back in time. Like, not Charlie, not McGonagall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought of it as in, like, who we see throughout the series. I agree. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Um, so, on the Facebook group, it was pretty unanimous. Um, <laughs> Leia said the iconic Ginny Weasley, which we know that Leia loves Ginny, so yeah. I mean, respect. <laughs> Lisa said that it was such a hard question, too many options, and Linda said, gonna go with female empowerment and say Ginny. Um, so my initial, I feel like I don't really have an answer for this, my initial <laughs> reaction was Ginny. Um, I mean, like, she goes on to have a professional career, and we know that she plays, so. Like, plays <laughs> I'm professionally, like, oh. not isn't just a revert, reserve. <laughs> and so I was like, it's definitely Jenny, but I feel like everyone in our Facebook group is going to say that, which they did. Um, and so then I was like, well, I used to be a keeper myself, and so I was going to go support Oliver. But then Katie really tore me down with that, so now I don't think Oliver was the best player. I think he was just the most obsessed with Quidditch. And so my new answer is going to be Alicia. Because, like I said, the wiki said that she took, like, penalty shots most often. And I feel like oftentimes, like, so, like, Angelina got picked as captured captain but I feel like oftentimes the captain is not necessarily like the most talented player like Angelina could have been the best choice for captain because of her personality and like her ability to organize and lead but I could see Alicia being like super talented but just kind of like keeps her head down about it and is less of a like vocal leader and therefore wasn't chosen for captain so I'm going with Alicia okay but I feel like I also feel like Ginny was probably better but Jenny's the one that went pro, so. Okay. I feel like everybody who answered this question just has, like, collective amnesia about Harry Potter. <laughs> um, okay, so thinking about this question, my options in my head were Jenny, Harry, Oliver, and I think I, I like, considered the twins in this as well just mm. because I think I like them the most in all honesty but again I think this comes down to my like fundamental confusion about professional quidditch because I think that like all of the players on the Gryffindor quidditch team if they wanted to I think they could have played professional quidditch like we are led or to at believe least yeah or at least like gone on to semi try to break into the professional quidditch market like there are so many teams where are all these players coming from are there like minor league teams of quidditch like affiliates because if there are that is the pool of the quidditch players that they need to play these leagues are is so big you know mm -hmm. and we are led to believe that these players are like this is the best team that Gryffindor's had in centuries that's like what we are told I mean that's what you know? the offer says. Yeah.
But I think in general, McGonagall is like, I have hope of winning the Quidditch World Cup, or the Quidditch World Cup, the Quidditch Cup after like years of not getting, like she has more hope in these people than previous teams as well. No? Yeah. So, I think that, I think that if any of these players wanted to or tried, they could have at least gone on to be reserves, like Oliver did. I think that Harry could have been very successful to be a professional Quidditch player, and I don't really understand why he never considered it as a career. Because I think he loved playing Quidditch. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to go with Harry. Like, that pains me because I want to pick, like, a woman and be like, we love strong women, which I do. But I think it was Harry. I really do. I think that... He was more talented at being a seeker than Ginny was at being a chaser. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a fine answer. <laughs> I just, like, I can't believe nobody mentioned him. You, yeah, didn't even, you I went didn't even through think of characters, it. like, multiple, and didn't even bring up him as an option. He caught the snitch. He caught the snitch within like minutes a lot of the time. Like I feel like that's wild. Is that not? (laughs) No, it is. He's definitely a good Quidditch player. I just like it's boring. I mean, yeah, it is a boring answer, and I can't believe I'm the one picking the boring answer. (laughs) You calling me boring? Well, no, I'm saying I always try to pick like the unexpected answers because I hate cliches and like the obvious answers but it Mm -hmm. seems like harry was not the obvious answer because nobody (laughs) talked about him but anyways yeah um you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts our episodes come out every other tuesday um patrons you can get your episodes a day early on mondays and please leave us a review on apple podcasts yeah, we're sitting at 47, so we're three away from 50. I think, like, two or three came in kind of in the past couple weeks. Like, we were stalemated at – were we stalemated at 47? Am I 43. making that up? Okay, yeah, so we got a few since then. But we're now three away from 50. Um, you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can join our Facebook group at Wizard Studies Podcast group. You can follow us on Twitter at Wizard Studies you can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. And if you feel so called, you can support us on Patreon if you just search in the Patreon search bar, Wizard Studies Podcast. Cool. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Bye.